Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. This is G. Hey Wiley from the Arash Marakazi Show telling you find all of the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters Championship and the start to the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports sporting wagering needs, including live betting which is dangerous, but my favorite, and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on popular sports and games. Bet online, guys, where the game starts. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Chips like yeah, Nazareth. I'm f***ed up, homie. You f***ed up, but if God got us, then we gon' be alright. Hello, on a beautiful Tuesday, and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mighty R1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California at 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined, as always, by producer G. Hey Wiley. G.A., how are we doing on this uh, beautiful Tuesday? I mean, it is a gorgeous Tuesday because the Clippers are in the playoffs. Two nights, so I couldn't be more excited, couldn't be more thrilled. I know that Laker fans out there are really disappointed in their season and really disappointed in you know what it has been going on with the firing of Frank Vogel, which I know we're going to get to in a second. But I couldn't be more ecstatic. So go Clips! It's time to at least buy to get into the first round. Yeah, I mean, big uh, big night for the Clippers. If they win, they move on uh, to face the Memphis Grizzlies as the number seven seed. If they lose, they will uh, face the winner of the Spurs-Pelicans game at Crypto.com Arena on Friday, I believe. And that team would be the eighth seed and play the Suns. Um, I'm, I'm picking the Clippers to lose tonight, beat the uh, winner of the Pelicans-Spurs game, and be the eighth seed against the Spurs. I mean, the uh, Suns should be a fun matchup, uh, a rematch of last year's Western Conference Finals. But before we talk about the Clippers, and again, we'll talk about the Clippers uh, throughout the week because they're actually in the postseason. But the other team, the other basketball team in Los Angeles that's not in the postseason, that is the Lakers. Their season is done. They had their exit interviews yesterday. We played LeBron James for you yesterday. We did want to play for you some of the other uh, notables who talked uh, yesterday during the exit interviews, and Anthony Davis was one of those. Uh, man, we also got to hear from uh, GM Rob Linka, who talked to the media following the firing of Frank Vogel. But gee, hey, kind of a uh, surreal day in Lakerland where, you know, Russell Westbrook talked, Anthony Davis talked, LeBron James. No Frank Vogel, obviously, after he was let go. But uh, yeah, it's finally over. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? I mean, Everybody had to see the writing on the wall, right? I mean, this was something that a lot, even Frank had to see the writing on the wall on this one. Um, but yeah, it's just, I guess, the cherry on top of another just of a disappointing season, and I guess kind of multiple disappointing seasons, right? Since um, LeBron, I mean Frank, just kidding, took over <laughs> the this Laker team. So you know, I, I don't entirely feel bad for Laker fans because you do have all of those championships, and you did get at least one of those championships. So that being said, I'm looking forward to the remainder of this season and Clipper Nation possibly at least getting into the first round because I have realistic expectations for um, 
for every team and the Lakers are no exception for that. Like this was just going to be, I knew this was just going to be a bad year for them. So, you know, they're, they're dealing with what they got right now. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it just like, even if you thought the Lakers would struggle with Westbrook, the fact that they, that they finished as the number 11 seed, not even making the play in tournament well below 500. I mean, this was a disaster of a season and to put a bow tie on the season. Let's hear from Lakers forward Anthony Davis, who only played 41 games, I think. I think he played just half the season. Uh, we'll hear from him right now, uh, and then we'll come back and talk about his comments and the rest of the Lakers' conversations with their with the, with the media. Is there a? I don't know. Have you had any chance to kind of? You know, there's still a game to be played tonight. Have you done any of your zoom out thinking and about what the best way to have guys around you um, on a team is? Uh, what stands out the most to you about? everything else on the court this year when you guys were out there that didn't go right or have, have you done any of that thinking and if so what's what's at the top uh, of that to list honest, I have not um, I haven't thought about anything post season um, you know I said we still had a couple games left when I when they when I um, didn't play um, or haven't been playing and you know been here cheering on the guys supporting the guys try to get you know wins and, and closing out the season strong so um I have not had a chance to kind of just reflect on, um, you know, this season and what um, can help us next year um, and things like that. Kitty, with the with the foot, was, was surgery ever on the table for you with, with the, the strain or any of that stuff? And is there any, like, off-season stuff that you need to get cleaned up or anything like that? Uh, not to my knowledge. Um, everything was fine. Um, might end up getting an MRI tomorrow or in the next couple of days to just kind of check on to see, you know, the, the status of it. But um, surgery was never um, an option. You've, your, your time with the Lakers coincides with Frank's time with the Lakers, and you guys have been through all sorts of stuff as a yeah. team in that time. Um, what's it been like working with him over these past three years? What have you thought of how he kind of navigated um, this season in addition to kind of a big picture Sort of way that he's he's worked with you guys. Um, yeah, I feel like he's kind of um, you know haven't had a chance to, especially the last two years, you know, coach his team, you know, um, you know, with injuries and not just myself, but just overall. Um, and then uh, you know, but the first year was great. I mean, you know, we were able to win a championship. Um, you know, he come in a defensive minded coach and put in schemes that made us the number one defensive league. My first year, and I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, last year as well. Who's third, and first. third, first year. Third, third, the first year, first. Last year. Okay, yeah. So, um, top five defensively, um, last two out of three years. So, um, it's been good. And then, you know, the tough thing about this year, just haven't been able to, just like last year, haven't had a chance to coach his full team. Um, you know, but Frank is one of the. I, mean, I only had three coaches, but you know. Can't say top three, yeah, right. Um, but he's one of my favorite. I mean, um, and I don't have a good selection of coaches, but out of the head coaches and assistant coaches, you know, that better range. You know, he's he's one of my favorite. I mean, he um, he knows what he's doing. He he, he goes to war for his players, um, and he wants to win. So, um, just unfortunately, he hasn't had a chance to have his his team. Um, the last couple of years, and especially this year. 
AD, we've talked ad nauseum about the fact that you guys haven't had you know the three of the, the, the big three together uh, enough this year. But part of the um, the thinking, as it was explained to us at the time, you guys got together was if you had to miss some time or if LeBron had to miss some time, you know that 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 having two of the big three should be enough to like get wins, and that ended up not being the case in practicality. I'm wondering why you think that it wasn't enough when you missed time, LeBron and Russ, or when LeBron missed time, Russ and you. Why did that not work out like you guys saw? Well, I think we was more saying, um, at least I was, was more if we had to rest a game or something like that. Um, Not to put enough, not to log enough minutes, you know, together is what hurt us. Um, And we have had some success, you know, with two out of three, three out of three. Um, But my thinking was more of, all right, we playing whoever. One of us three can rest and the other two can pick us up to to win a game um, will be enough, you know. But I still think that, you know, us being on the floor together to build that chemistry where two out of three can, um, you know, win basketball games, you know, it just didn't happen, uh, which is unfortunate because all three of us, um, you know, want to win and everyone on this team wants to win top to bottom. Um, But it was just tough when, you know, you bring a group of guys in, um, especially the three guys that, was kind of the core of this team and um, wasn't able to log enough minutes to be able to succeed how we wanted to. Eddie, you and LeBron accomplished the mission coming together to win the championship in the years that have passed. He's two years older. Do you feel that you two can be the basis of a championship team and what would need to happen in the offseason to surround you two to support that goal? I think us two can. Uh, we've shown that we can. Um, and I don't know, it's something we just have to reevaluate in the offseason. Um, upstairs, uh, me and him, you know, talking about this season and what we would like to see next season. Um, and just kind of figure it out. Like I said, we don't know what's happening. I mean, the season technically isn't over. And then when it is, you know, guys like to decompress and kind of just take time to think about themselves and look in the mirror and evaluate themselves and then we come together as a group and figure out what's best for the team to get back to the championship mentality that we had our first year. Um, So that would be um, a very interesting be very interesting conversation just from the standpoint of what changed. I mean, you know, obviously injuries but even when we were healthy we I don't think we were able to reach our full potential um, for whatever reason. So we just want to figure it out and just get back to that championship pedigree that us as players know we're capable of and us as an organization. And you did everything you could to come back from the midfoot sprain. I'm, and maybe the, the, it's an obvious answer that, yes, you still believe when you came back from the midfoot sprain you guys could make up the ground you needed to to, to make the play in. But yeah. was there a moment in the year where – whether feeling snake bitten or feeling like the team didn't have the right fit, where you're just like, it's not going to work for us. Uh, when we officially got eliminated, so not to be honest, like because we always felt if we were able to get into the playing game, you know, then it's the it's playoffs. Like it's anything happened seven game series, we really didn't feel like anyone can beat us in a seven game series, um, and we really believed that. And so uh, when we wasn't able to get in and got officially eliminated, that's when we knew that 
Like, just didn't work this year. Yolan. AD, I, I know you said you're going to reflect on kind of the season and, and moving forward, but you guys had a lot of success this season with you at the five and LeBron at the five and, and just some of the most successful stretches of the season. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, I guess, with your current perspective, do you think that's something you guys could do more moving forward or is that more of a function of just the roster construction this year and, and sort of the pieces around you guys for, for this particular team? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I know we came in with the intention of me playing a five a lot this season, um, which I believe I did. It's games that I did play. And then just going to that small ball with Bron and Melo in that second unit was a very effective force. Um, so that's how that happened. Um, and it might be something that we look at next year um, since it was a pretty successful force and and go from there. But I think, um, you know, with me being at the five and Brian playing the five, it gives our team a different dynamic than, you know, a traditional big. Just from the standpoint of Bron, you know, He's at the five, he's setting screens, he's catching in the pocket, playmaker score, like he can do everything. Um, and, you know, you don't really see that, you know, around the league. Um, and so it was good for us, you know, have him at the five. And uh, I think Russ was the point guard, and you have three other guys, you know, shooters around him, and um, kind of just had a floor open. And he's good enough where he can make plays out of the pocket. Uh, and then same for me as far as, it's being that live threat pulling in and having, you know, shooters around where if you help, then we kick it to our shooters for shots. If not, then it's a layup or a dunk. AD, um, obviously some of the things that Russ kind of went through this season were so unique, including, you know, telling us one time, you know, he he had, you know, some issues with people harassing his family, mm-hmm. even at home games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering for, for you and LeBron, do you feel like, there was a good amount of communication with Russ to kind of pull him through some of that stuff or, or you know, were you, uh, you know, and, and do you think that maybe some of that stuff that went down this year can be healed with time for him? As far as the fans, with him and the fans? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think our team just try to stay in this corner. You know, um, like, forget basketball, just, you know, as a brother. Um, you know, when your family's been harassed, I think you said you've been, like, death threats or some stuff like that. Um, playing with a family name, like, all that stuff is serious. And you take it personal. Um, so we just try to be in this corner as much as possible. Um, as far as it being healed, um, I don't know. Um that's something he'll know. I mean, I guess if you forget the fans and the fans, like, oh, just this year, I don't know. You know, I'm not really sure. But it's been three years for me, three seasons for me leaving the war, and I still get booed when I go there. So I'm not sure. Um, I mean, it is his hometown. Um, I'm pretty sure people in L.A. do love him. Obviously, fans, you know, booed our entire team several games, you know, disappointed about our season. And, you know, we're disappointed as well. But um, I think a lot of um, blame was put towards Russ um, for stuff on the court that, you know, Russ isn't a one-man show. He can't beat teams by himself. It's all of us. You know, it's uh, my play, me not being on the floor, Bron's play, him not being on the floor. Um, 
Malik's play him like everybody. Coach like everybody is part of the blame. And I think a lot of it, you know, was directed at Russ. Um when it wasn't his fault. You know, so um I actually saw a little interview he did, I guess, with you guys at home. And somebody probably asked him about him not scoring. He said, I had 23,000 points or something like that. Like, it's a lot of points. And so, like, he, he does this at a high level. Um, and this year, you know, first year in L.A., struggle. Um, picked it up, you know, I think in the second half of the season where he played phenomenal. Played phenomenal for us. Had some big games for us. Um, but people see things, you know, when Russell's in OKC and D.C. and how he played, two totally different teams, well, three totally different teams, you know. Um, you know, the Russ, how, how he was in OKC, averaging triple-doubles, getting all – like, we necessarily didn't need that, you know, this year. Like, same way he played in D.C. Like, Brad was out, so it was on Russ, and he, they put guys around him, like – we didn't need that, Russ. You know, so everybody. And it, when I got here, like I didn't play the same way I played when Bron. Bron had to change. Like everybody had to change. Everybody got to make sacrifices, and um, it was tough for him to kind of adjust to that. It was tough for me to adjust that. Adjust to that when I first got here, playing with somebody like Bron's caliber. Because um, I was so used to okay, here get the ball, AD. Now we figured out. And Bron used to having the ball in his hands, and so is Russ. And so when you try to get out of each other's way, um, it takes time. And we didn't have a lot of that time because, you know, either I was out or he was out or Brian was out. And so um, a lot of the blame wasn't – isn't directed towards Russ. And he get, he got a lot of that this year from the fans and from the media. All right, that was Anthony Davis during the exit interviews for the Lakers. Again, the Lakers are out of the playoffs. Uh, you know, talking to the media yesterday – uh, just really putting a bow tie on the most disappointing season in Lakers franchise history. I mean, I still contend, Jihei, that if Anthony Davis was healthy, they would have been not only a playoff team, I think that they would have been, you know, a four, five, six seed. They wouldn't have even been in the play-in tournament. But when you have the number of injuries that they had, and again, I'm not saying that they were going to be a championship team. You would be the first to agree with that. But I think if they were healthy, if Anthony Davis was there, if LeBron was there, despite the Russell Westbrook disaster, this is still a playoff team. They were just never really fully healthy. Yeah, I want to contend. Let's even go back further. I want to contend that this would be a playoff team and even vying possibly for a back-to-back title if you never got Westbrook. If you just kept everybody and even if you have, you know, Anthony Davis out due to injury, you still have all these other young kids in Alex Caruso and um, the rest of that championship team like that. That was the move, in my personal opinion, to make was to make sure to make all those guys happy. And, and the, the hindsight's twenty twenty, right? We can talk all day about, you know, this is what they should have done, but they didn't. This is where they are. And yeah, it's a disappointing season. And at least now they're moving forward with it. And I, I can, I'm actually looking forward to more of what are they going to possibly do? Like, how are they going to be able to maneuver this? This is like the biggest dumpster fire ever. No, no 2022 draft whatsoever. You, you have to pay seven guys like an exorbitant amount, amount of money, including Russell Westbrook, unless you can possibly get somebody to take him. Um, you know, wh- where do you go from here? Right. And then yeah. you, now, and you still have Anthony Davis for the next, what, three seasons? 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it mean, hurt Anthony Davis. Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I think at this point they got to just hope, and I don't know to what extent this is actually going to come true that he's going to get healthy because I I don't know that they can really move. I mean, they they can certainly move him, but right. um, you, I mean, he is one of the top five players when healthy in the league. So I don't think it makes much sense to try to trade a player that when healthy again. I thought he was one of the best players in Orlando when they won the championship. So, you know, what are you realistically going to get trying to flip a guy who missed, who really, since they won the championship in 2020, GK, has missed half the game. So that's the problem there. I think they can still be a, a, a championship team with LeBron James, with Anthony Davis, but they have to stay healthy. And at this point, just going off of what's happened the last two years now, GK, not just last year, that's a huge if, though, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, anybody staying healthy in the NBA or any major league is, you know, is going to be a major if. You know who I, I think really right now, and I know we don't have a lot of time, we got to go into the second segment soon and on a commercial break, but you know who I think is killing it right now and just loving life is the New Orleans Pelicans. You've got to admit that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, so they get the first round pick. Not only do they eliminate the Lakers and they got, they're in the uh, playing game, but they're going to get the Lakers uh, lottery pick. The Lakers don't even get that pick. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we are going to hear from Lakers GM Rob Palenka when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and the fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just as a reminder, if you want tickets to a future Kings or Galaxy game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right. Lakers GM Rob Plink could talk to the media yesterday after the firing of Frank Vogel, much maligned uh, GM of the Lakers, Rob Plinka, not only because of his handling of the firing of Frank Vogel, but really the way he put together this roster. I mean, it just no one really thought this team would fit together. Russell Westbrook, uh, you know, like how is he going to fit in with these guys? So again, Rob Plinka, very smooth man. Of you know, averts a lot of questions. Let's now hear from Lakers GM Rob Blinka. Afternoon, everybody. Uh, just a uh, little bit earlier today, I had a chance to get with uh, Frank Vogel upstairs in a meeting, um, and just want to thank him for three really strong years um, as the head of our basketball coaching department. Um, we expressed gratitude for the three years of being able to work together um, with a capacity of trust and collective mindset and collaboration. Um, and just let them know that it was a point in the Lakers history where we felt like it was time for a change in our leadership voice. And those are difficult things to do. And um, but Frank was grateful for the opportunity he had. Um, and we had a conversation about how this is just an inflection point where he goes from being the, the leader of the Lakers to part of our legacy, and especially our championship legacy. So 
I would characterize it as a very um, open and honest um, meeting um, and was thankful for the time with him um, and just wanted to start today with expressing our gratitude to him, um, to his family for their three years of service here. Frank's a great man and a great coach and will go on to do great things and we're very thankful that we had to have three, that we had three seasons with him as a part of everything we do. Hey, Rob, just wanted to see how you saw that in the context of the whole season and uh, obviously being disappointing in many different ways and uh, what part of your thought process included that with Frank and, and how that fits into what your plans are in the offseason. Listen, this was a, this was a disappointing Lakers season um, at every level. And I think in the face of disappointment, our fans expect more and – that's at every facet. It starts with the front office led by me and, and our ability to construct the, the right roster. It starts with the coaches um, holding players accountable and making sure that there's on-court execution. It goes to our training staff doing everything they can to make sure we have healthy bodies on the court. And it goes to our players to play at um, with on-court execution at the highest level because that's what Lakers fans expect and deserve from all of us. And so I think when you have disappointment, you um, need to take ownership of that and you need to vow to make the adjustments to be better. And that's where the work starts today. We have uh, exit interviews with every player, so we'll get a chance to get their thoughts. Um, and really reflect on, on ways that we can be better across the board because that's what Lakers fans expect here. They expect um, championship-level um, basketball every season. We know that, and we want to deliver that to our fans, and the work to do that for next season starts now. We've been in this place before. Um, we know what it takes to put in the work to fix it, and that's where our energy and time will be spent over the coming days. Dave, I think um, today's not going to be a, a day of like finger pointing or unwinding all the specific reasons. We just felt organizationally at the highest level it was time for a new voice. And um, those decisions are made at the very top level in a collaborative way um, by our basketball operations department and ultimately um, with Jeannie and, and Tim and the leaders of our organization. We just felt like it was time for a new voice. And that's not to um, say anything against the incredible accomplishments that Frank Vogel's had. He was a great coach here, and he's going to go on to be a great coach somewhere else. We just felt like it was time for a new leader, and that's why we made the decision today that we did. It's a good question, BT, and I think, you know, in answering that, I want to make sure that no part of that is a knock or disparagement towards Frank because every coaching candidate is unique with their skill set. So this is not an analysis of him whatsoever, and I want to be clear on that. But in terms of what this team needs right now, I, we feel like with obviously superstars on our team, we want a strong voice um, that's able to inspire the players to play at the highest level of competition every night. Um, and I think that's going to be one of the resounding qualities that we look for in terms of holding everybody from the top player on our team to the 15th man 
uh, to a degree of, of accountability. Um, and that's going to be one of the many characteristics, I think, that jumps out uh, today. Bill? Rob, um, was Jeannie part of the meeting this morning with, with Frank? And over the last 14 hours, um, obviously, it was reported that the decision had been made to let Frank go, and then you don't have that conversation with him until this morning. Um, what was Jeannie's reaction to sort of the way those, I think, about 13 hours uh, transpire between that, that report and when you guys actually had that conversation? Um, first of all, the, the basketball decisions made here are made by the Basketball Operations Department, and so I take full responsibility for any decision that's been made. Um, in terms of um, media reports that are speculative and unsourced, um, we don't spend any of our time reacting to that type of information in terms of how we make decisions here. As a follow-up, was, was the, had the decision been made last night? Was it with, with, with that report came out, are you saying that was inaccurate or are you had the decision been made when that, when that came out? What I said is we don't respond to unsourced media reports and in terms of the timing of our decision, I'm going to keep that internal. Dylan? Don't you, you, isn't it kind of embarrassing though, the fact that, I mean, this was kind of out there. I mean, that is in theory how he learned about that he, the fact that he was like losing his job. I think a lot of people kind of looking at this from the outside are thinking, Right. I mean, whatever you think of the job that he did, that he deserved, you know, to kind of hear it first from you, right, rather than hear it, hear about it on Twitter. He factually heard about our decision in an in-person meeting for me this morning. Brian? Robin, look towards the uh, coaching search. Do you think it'll be a, uh, a long process, relatively short process? What are you looking for in the next Laker coach? You know, Brez, I think it's going to be a very methodical process, and I think the principles here are not to um, pick an end date and say, hey, we have to have someone by this date. I think we want to find the right person. That's the most important thing. I think all things considered, it would be great to have someone in place by the draft, but our process will be thorough and methodical. And... Um, we haven't even begun to put together a list or discuss who the replacement is. We wanted to make a commitment to finishing the season strong last night, which, which we were able to do, and not skip steps and kind of turn to those decisions once the season was over starting today. Hi. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, accountability in your role in building the roster. And looking back on this season, do you think that the roster catered enough to the strengths of Frank Vogel? I think our roster did not work. We did not have the season that our fans expect, and we have to fix those things. And I think um, one of the things that we've done and will do as we look to hiring a new coach is to include that coach in the process of how to make a roster work together. And I think in terms of the future decisions that we have to make about our roster. Um, some of those will come once we pick our, our coach, which will clearly be before free agency in July. Um, but there has to be a strong alignment between coach and GM in terms of roster decisions. And that said, I don't think every time you make a roster decision, you're, you're going to make a perfect one or have no mistakes. That's just part of making choices. But there will be um, a strong sense of collaboration with 
our future roster decisions as there was with Frank in his tenure here. Yoan. Rob, uh, in terms of next season and kind of building out the, the next roster, um, what have you kind of learned over the last three years of kind of building rosters around Ron and AD and kind of what's worked and what hasn't and sort of what needs you guys have going to next season? Listen, I think first, you know, LeBron James is a player that's on Mount, the Mount Rushmore of, of basketball. And every season of his 19 so far has to be looked at as a precious commodity. Um, and we need to do all we can to be caretakers of his legacy and to try to build um, the best team we can around him. Um, and that's something that we had the objective for that last year. And obviously this roster did not work. Um, but there's a great level of trust in our collaboration with him to make sure we get it right this summer and fix it. Uh, but building a, a team around LeBron and Anthony is unique. It might be different than a team laden with young players or developing players. And so that, of course, goes into the metrics of the decisions we make. Um, but I think it's important that we're going to address some s certain areas of our roster, and I don't think that today's the day to get entirely granular. We have several months to figure all those things out, but I think we have to um, get better on multiple fronts, and we will this summer. And I'm confident, like we did in 2019, after a year of disappointment, we put our heads together. Our basketball operations department is led by some great minds, Kurt Rambis and Joey Buss and Jesse Buss, you know, help me make decisions. And I think we'll spend the next several weeks and months doing an autopsy of what worked well and what didn't work well this year um, and come out of that with a clear plan of how to, how to get it right um, in July. Mark Medina. Hey, Rob, uh, on the collaboration part, how would you characterize what LeBron's collaboration has been with you at the front office in the past and what do you expect it will be? moving forward. Again, I think the important thing, Mark, is that at the end of the day, um, the roster decisions ultimately rest on my shoulders. Um, and I will take input from LeBron and Anthony as our two captains. I have done that during my entire tenure. But at the end of the day, I think um, I'm the one who leads the basketball operations department and, and, and will take ultimate accountability for the roster decisions are made. Um, our dialogue with our captains is, is open and has been very productive, um, but it's important that we are seen as the ultimate decision makers, and that's the way um, it will go and has gone. Dan on Zoom. Hi, Rob. Sorry I can't be there. Um, I have two quick ones for you. Um, are you concerned at all uh, about the perception uh, of the franchise kind of in the wake of how things were handled yesterday? I, I know that these are the types of things that matter when it comes to recruiting coaches, recruiting players. Is that a concern at all in your mind? And then I guess secondarily, how would you kind of characterize the balance between, like you said, each season with LeBron James is a precious commodity, but, you know, he's 37, 38 years old. Um, you also have the responsibility of the future of the franchise kind of balancing three, four, five years down the road when you have the ultimate sort of win now player. I guess first, I think, you know, the Lakers franchise is one of the most respected in all of sports across the globe. And I think that will remain to be the case. And we'll put the work behind to, to make sure that's the case. Because, that, again, that's what our fans expect. Um, in terms of building a team, um, 
I, we don't know exactly how long LeBron will play, but of course this year he played at the highest level. Um, an incredible year for him offensively, and he, he feels in my exit meeting with him um, highly motivated to uh, return next year and have another elite, elite level of play. I think if our team would have found a way to win more, um, given the year he had, he would have been in the MVP conversation. So that's the, the for him to play at that level in the 19th year of his career is, is, is pretty jaw-dropping and his motivation to come back and do that again next year was palpable, you know, in my discussions with him earlier today in his exit meeting. Dave, you have a follow-up? Yes, please. Uh, Rob, considering where LeBron's at in his career and the inevitable point of diminishing return at some point, obviously he's pushed past what the, the standard is in that department. And then also considering that in order to put a new group together, sometimes it requires patience. Uh, and the core that you put in place for this season only got to play 21 games together because of forces out of your control when it came to injuries. How do you corroborate those two things in your position, um, measuring whether this group deserves more time or whether you've you got to make a major change? I think. The most important thing is to take this, the next several days and, and, and maybe weeks to um, take the emotions out of things and to really sit back and take a look at everything that did not go right this year. Because again, today is not about trying to spin or sugarcoat. We had a very disappointing season and that will not be the case for us next year. Um, in terms of rushing to judgment on the five things we need to fix, today's not the day to do that. Um, but the, 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 the collaboration with the front office and thinking around those things does start after today. And we will have a very measured um, plan to get those things fixed. And part of that will be input from the players on our roster that are here or could be back next year. We always listen to the voice of the player. Um, and part of that will be um, the philosophies and the voice of the new coach that we hire in the coming weeks. Just to be a little bit more direct on this, yeah. um, the players that you've named as your captains, Anthony and LeBron, where does your highest paid player on your roster fit into that conversation with Russell Westbrook? Russ is, um, is a Hall of Fame player that um, gave everything he could to this organization this year. He battled every game, and we're so appreciative of that. Um, in terms of Russell Westbrook and his future, part of that's in his control. First things first, he has a player option. I'm sure he'll sit down with his agent and have discussions around that. And like any player, we'll partner with him um, after that decision is made about what's best for his future. Um, and again, rest assured, we're going to look under every stone for ways to be better. Um, and be open to anything that will improve our team and put us in a, in a position to compete at a higher level next year than we did this year. Last two. Um, I'll just say that statement is not about any specific player on our roster. It's a general statement. Um, I don't think it's fair today to take any player on our roster and discuss his future, whether he'll be in a trade, won't be in a trade. I don't, I don't think that's fair. But in general, um, the statement I made I stand behind. All right, 
the last two we'll do uh, Mike Trudeau and then the follow-up with uh, Kyle. Yeah, Rob, LeBron had mentioned the, you know, the 41 different starting lineups and how injuries and different things led to that and the difficulty building cohesion. And then on the other hand, the 1920 roster that you build, you know, starts 24 and three, right? So did you get a sense of just some of the things that worked basketball wise and didn't need, aside from LeBron and AD, of course, being on the court and just how that was a little bit different from this year and, and you know, how, did, how do you kind of think about that as you now try to move forward to this next shape of what the roster might be? Yeah, I think basketball chemistry can be, you know, an elusive concept that you don't always know if it's going to be there or not until you get a chance to see if players gel together. Um, and there's so many factors that come into play on whether that will or won't happen. And this year it got played out in various ways. You bring up, you know, the injuries to star players. We also signed, you know, a point guard that we didn't get a signal, single game out of in Kendrick Nunn. But we're, we're in a results business. We're not, it's a wins and loss business. We're not in an excuse business. So today's not about making excuses for why we didn't succeed. Um, but I do think um, a chemistry of, of players that are willing to work hard together and make the sacrifices needed to, to compete every night at a high level is, is, is a North Star and is a barometer. But the calculus for Lakers' success is pretty binary. Either we win a championship or we don't. There's no gold stars for the in-between or there's no attaboys. And this year we did not, we failed in that mission. And that's really the way we look at things here. All right, that was Lakers GM Rob Palinka basically putting a bow tie uh, on this uh, disastrous season for the Lakers, most disappointing season in Lakers franchise history uh, he talked to the media right after the lakers officially uh made the announcement that they had fired rob uh fired uh, frank vogel they they termed it as parting ways we had parted ways with frank vogel and posted a picture of him holding the championship with a thank you message on there but listen rob rob palinka's got a ton of work ahead of him he's got to hire a, a new head coach for this team he's got to figure out a way to move russell Westbrook, and he's got to figure out a way to put together, once again, a championship contending team. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.